um, loved being here for so many years, and we have another Zoomie coming in. Um, so I went to University of Maryland last night. Yesterday I met someone from Duke, and we debated about whether Duke or Maryland was better at basketball. We all know the answer to that. Um, and I went to Johns Hopkins. I am not a healthcare professional, but I loved being there for my master's program. Um, and then I served in Kenya. So I've served both in South Korea for, for business, and I worked for Samsung, but then I also got to go live in Kenya from 2009 to 2010. Um, and that year was very transformative for me and actually led me to feeling um, just this big global heart of dreams and helping people globally. And that's really where I, I think I birthed my first big dream in my life, which was to go live in East Africa. My grandmother um, lived in Nigeria for a few years. My mom grew up there. And so I came from a family of people who were adventure, adventurers and decided to go serve in the world. Um, I also worked in South Korea. Those two distinct um, experiences were very different, and you can read about them in my book. I think um, as we look at COVID today and just what we've all experienced, I feel so lucky that I got to go live overseas because I think now it would be very hard and difficult to do that. Maybe some of you, has anyone here lived overseas before? Okay, cool. So lo lots of hands. And um, as you all know, the, those experiences outside of U the U.S. are very transformative and they teach us a lot about ourselves and about our dreams. Um, I go to Christchurch downtown, which is on the east side. I did not grow up Anglican, but um, apparently I do this, this, this now. So um, that's been a little bit new of an experience for me. And um, I just formed my own LLC, which, again, was actually not one of my dreams, but um, has kind of become a part of this, this life and this experience that I have. I love triathlon, which is actually the reason why I came to Austin. So in September of 2020, I found myself in D.C. Um, politics were, um, shall we say, a bit of a mess. And I was um, just really tired of being in Washington. My, my lease was up. My brother lives here. And um, the pools were open here. So I decided to move to Austin for three months, three months because I felt compelled um, to train for my triathlons. Um, and really wanted to be close to my brother and just experience something new. I love Texas. I had come to Austin many times. I've been to Barton Springs many times. And so I said, you know, I'm a little bit impulsive at times, and I packed my car, and um, I moved here. And then here I am two years later, so I'm still here. Um, and then I'm Auntie Emmy. So I do not have my own children, but I love children, and I love being a part of children's lives. So I um, will always play with your children if you ever need or grandchildren if you need a babysitter. Um, and then we'll just go to the next slide. So that's me. Um, okay, the book. The book. So A Wilder Eden um, is really a pun or sort of a nod to the Garden of Eden. We all know what the Garden of Eden is. It's this place where there's beauty and fullness and perfection and harmony and relationship, God and man, um, together in a place of, of perfection and peace. And as we know, we don't live in the Garden of Eden anymore. Our world is broken. Um, our hearts are broken at times. And we live in a place where we feel at times like, I just wish I could go back to the Garden of Eden. It would have been so much better there. Um, and so the, the concept of how to keep dreaming in a world of disappointments is really about 
the fact that we've all experienced disappointment. Raise your hand if your life turned out exactly as you thought it would be. Raise your hand if your life did not turn out as you thought it would be. Um, Raise your hand if you've experienced great loss and disappointment. Raise your hand if you have experienced um, heartache and um, being blindsided by something you didn't see coming. Right? So we've all had these moments of disappointment in our lives and we feel at times like, how do I, how do I keep dreaming when I feel stuck or when I feel like I've lost someone or something that I never expected to lose? How do I keep dreaming when um, maybe for some of you, your life looks very different now than it, than it did 20 years ago, 30 years ago, even 40 years ago? There's, there's points in our lives where we go through these seasons and we don't, we don't know what it looks like to keep waking up feeling hopeful and excited for, for the next day. So I wrote this book for people of all ages. I wrote this book for dreamers. I wrote this book for people, um, whether you're 36 or 76, it doesn't matter. We all have dreams because that is, that is the common human experience. And so the book has three sections, and really it moves from the past to the present to the future. So the past is um, the death of dreams acknowledging the problem, the pain, or the disappointment. Section two is, well, what if I, what if I don't have a dream? Who am I now? Um, what is my current identity, in, not only in Christ, but what is my current identity and place in the world? What is it that I long for, hope for in this life? Um, and then the third section is, how do I dream in the wilderness? So how do you, how do you thrive and flourish in places that feel um, like they may ch- they may change or they may never change, right? We all have circumstances where um, maybe we feel like, you know, you've just been stuck in a particular season of your life and nothing's really changing and, and you still want to thrive and be fruitful in your life, but you don't know how. Um, and so that's really the book. And it's module one, module two, module three. It's composed of 40 chapters um, reflecting the 40 40 years that the Israelites spent um, wandering in the wilderness. Um, I grew up watching Charleston Heston's Ten Commandments because that's what my grandmother put on for us when we were at her house. And as you can remember, um, Moses leads his people out of Egypt and into the wilderness. And they're like, what are we doing here? And if I think sometimes we feel like if God had told us, whoa, you're going to be experiencing this for 40 years, we would all go run and, you know, cry in a corner because we weren't expecting to be somewhere for 40 years. So sometimes, you know, life just things go on and on and on for a long time. Let's go to the next slide. So I really just wanted to, um, I like to read the Bible. Uh, it's a, just a place of guidance and inspiration for me. And um, and the as I was praying just for God to give me the right words to speak to you all today, I just felt like um, this passage just kept coming to my heart. So this is the segment where I'm just going to give you a very short devotional. Um, And I don't claim to be a theologian. Um, I do not claim to fully understand the Old Testament. So I'll just keep it it very simple and high level. Um, But in the book of Ezekiel, um, there's this this moment where um, God is speaking to Ezekiel, and he's in this place called the valley, the valley of dry bones. Um, and so it just says, um, the waste places shall be rebuilt, and the land 
that was desolate shall be tilled instead of being the desolation that it was in the sight of all who passed by. And they will say, this land that was desolate has become like a garden of Eden. Um, and, and the thought that I just wanted to give you all today um, is in this passage, it's talking about this valley of dry bones. And, and um, this man is, is saying, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Then God says, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from the grave, O my people, and I will bring you into the promised land. And you will know that I am the Lord, and I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in the land. And, of course, God has said, the land that was desolate shall become like a garden of Eden. And so the thought here for today is really, um, what are the places of my life? I love that the Gettysburg Address um, mentioned that these men did not die in vain. Um, sometimes in life, I think we feel like some sort of relationship or time of our life or business or um, or moment that has been um, lost can feel like a waste place. Like this is in vain. Um, and I think that if you were to scan this room, you would probably hear stories from each of you about places of your life that feel like they're in vain or feel like they haven't um, been, um, you know, used in a, in a good way. And I think sometimes we feel like this was a, this was, this became a desolate place. And um, as you know, I'm trying to grow tomatoes right now, and it's very difficult because <laughs> my garden will not grow. And it feels like this, you know, waste, wasted place in my in my garden box because I cannot get my um, tomatoes enough water. And um, I think sometimes in our life, we look at this, like, garden that we have, this land in our life, and we, we're like, this, this, is a, this is a grave. This is a valley of dry bones. This place is desolate. This place um, cannot be tilled and freshly grown again. And, um, you know, it's, it's wasted. It's done. And I don't, I don't know what to, to do with it, and it's just um, it's no longer a place where I can be fruitful. And so my encouragement to you today um, is to really just think about anywhere in your life that you feel disappointed by or feel like it was sort of in vain. And, um, or it could be, you know, it could be something in your life where you just feel like if God doesn't breathe new life into this space of my life, um, it just, it just feels dry. It feels like a grave. And, what if, what if you walked away today knowing that God is very committed to taking the, the desolations of our life, the, the places that feel dry, um, and he's willing to create a garden of Eden, and he's committed to helping us bear fruit in our lives. And so um, if you can just go to the next slide, um, you know, we've kind of covered this, but just again to ask, like, I think sometimes our dreams, um, we have held dreams, maybe a dream that we've had, with, you know, that we've lost, like we've held it and now we don't hold it anymore. Um, a dream you've never held. I, um, I'm single, and so for many years I, um, I think I placed a great weight and emphasis on getting married, and that's still something I desire, but I don't look at it anymore as 
um, the end all be all, but of course it's something I've never held that I would like to have in my life. So that's my dream that I've never held. Um, a dream deferred or delayed. Uh, I think in COVID we felt like we kind of had to stuff our dreams on the shelves and neglect it just because we couldn't do we couldn't do much. Um, maybe you had a business and it and it failed, or maybe you've lost a child, or maybe you've lost someone that you dearly love. Um, so there's all these spaces, and and what if God took that place again and um, and took it and took the waste places of our lives, the injustices, the loss, the rejection, the circumstances, seasons changing. Um, and what if we created a garden of Eden? And so we'll just go to the next slide. Um, and just really quickly, we've already sort of covered the, the top part, but just to share a few thoughts around this, we are um, something that I call co-creators with Christ, right? We're created beings and God created us to create and we get to be participants in that. And so I just want to inspire you today to remember that God cares about your dreams um, because he put them in you. Um, you're fully known and loved by God because he's known you your whole life. His truth studies, studies us in our own emotions and when we're lamenting the desolations or the losses we've experienced. Um, and then he calls us to remember what moves you. So I just like to say, what makes your soul sing? Um, what makes you feel like a kid on Christmas morning? Maybe it's music, maybe it's art, maybe it's um, working with your hands, maybe it's volunteering, maybe um, it's a particular area of business that you're really good at. Maybe you just love to host dinner parties and your ministry and your dream is to gather people around your table. We all have dreams. Um, and I think sometimes we think, um, well, it's just a dream. It, you know, it doesn't really matter that much. But actually, it deeply matters because um, we dream with each other. We dream in community, which is why I'm here today, because Gail and I created community. Um, and so as you kind of recenter your identity, I just want to point you um, to a, a place in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 51. And it's just a really comforting short scripture that ties it all together. Um, and it says, the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all of our waste places. And he makes our wilderness like the Garden of Eden. The desert becomes like the Garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. Thanksgiving and the voice of song. Um, God comforts our waste places. He also rebuilds the broken dreams that we've lost. And then in that valley of dry bones, he resurrects those, those dry places and he raises us, raises us up and he gives us his Holy Spirit. And so I just want to move to the, um, the kind of the concept that, you know, sometimes when we ask God for his spirit to, to give us power, we often feel um, like we just have to muster up more energy on our own to, to figure it all out. And so my hope for you all today is just that you'll be able to ask God this week, how can I um, partner with you in, in this season of my life and, and creating, um, creating more movement towards my dreams and the things that you really care about. And um, that God would just free us from being victims of our own story. So for many years, I think I felt like I had missed the boat 
upon being married, and I think that God has really helped me to not be a victim of my own circumstances, to not be bitter and resentful about that, but to just embrace um, God's timing and and to embrace the incredible season of life that I get to be in right now. So um, contentment is not my forte. I'm not a very content person, um, but I'm learning every day, as I'm sure you all are learning, to, to just embrace the ordinary, embrace the present. Um, and so that's, that's my, my little devotional for you all. And um, I think we can move to the next slide. I, yeah, this is just my, um, my website. I am at emilyjjansen.com. And there's free resources and there's podcast recordings. I was recently on the Hill Country Institute um, podcast, which was on the radio, 1120 AM, that went across um, Texas this past week. Um, my book is on Kindle format and paperback, and I'm recording the audio book this summer, which has been really fun. Um, and then I think we can just move to the next slide as well. Um, so this September, I'm going back to Kenya, which is really exciting. I don't know if any of you have been to East Africa, but it's um, a tricky place to, to get right now. Um, but we'll be going back as a board to work with all of our orphanages and to empower the young women that are um, so desperately needing support for their own dreams. And so it's really my privilege to go because I feel like I've been so blessed to have so many of my dreams come to fruition. Um, and now I get to go help other young women um, with their holistic well-being. And um, if you would like to learn more about She Saves the Nation, it's shesavesthenation.org. And if you um, have a heart to contribute to um, this mission trip, you're welcome to give a donation towards my trip. No pressure, but if that's something that you really feel excited about, I can tell you more about how to do that. Um, and I think that, yes. Yeah, so we're doing a day of mentorship, one-on-one -on -one mentorship with each of the girls. We're doing um, holistic spiritual devotionals with them. We're working on the educational platforms that we've, we've built with them, so helping teach them different skill sets. Some of the girls are in middle school. Some of them are already in high school or primary school and moving towards, you know, hopefully leaving primary school. Um, we'll be taking time to do professional counseling for them if they've been um, victims of trauma or abuse. I'm not licensed to do that, but one of our board members is. And then we'll be leading them through some dream coaching and dream mind mapping, like what is your dream? What do you want to do with your life? So many of these girls don't have any knowledge or understanding of what's possible to them. So even mentioning like, you could be an engineer. It's, it has no, con you know, they have no concept of what that would really look like. Yeah, so they're all part of um, the specific orphanage and school that we are involved in in northern Kenya, which is um, north of Nairobi. And there's over, I think there's now over like 200, 200 girls. And there's two, I think there's two locations. So my friend Kanita is the, the board chair, and she um, has partnered with different pastors and ministry leaders on the ground to provide support to two different locations. And then we also have a location in Uganda. But we're I'm I'm not going to Uganda. So yeah, so that's um that's our trip in September and um I'm happy to answer any questions. I don't know. I know we're at 
close to 10.30, but um, I was told to wrap up by 10, no later than 10.40. Okay. No, no, I wasn't sure when you all have to leave, but no, I'm happy to answer any questions, but also, um, you know, before we, before we conclude, I also just want to pray for you all. Um, so right now, what's been really exciting is I left my job in corporate America in February. I was working for Deloitte Consulting in, in the marketing role and um, launched my book. So this summer, the plan is to record my audio book. And then um, I just launched my own LLC. So I'm providing marketing support to clients, um, communication um, strategies and branding for all sorts of startups, nonprofits for-profit, private clients. So if you know anyone that needs any of those services, please let me know. Um, I am also coaching a couple people through their own books. So they've now come to me and asked me to help them learn um, essentially, you know, how do I publish my book? And so I've now started a sort of author coaching practice to help people navigate that because it can be very overwhelming. Um, and then just looking ahead, I mean, I would love to, to buy a house, but obviously, <laughs> That's a little tricky right now. Um, so yeah, those are my goals and I'll be going to Kenya and then um, continuing consider, you know, other full-time jobs. And I'm in the process of starting my own 501c3 um, nonprofit arm because I really want my book to be a ministry to people and um, whether they're in the hospital or um, they've just lost someone they love or they are just really brokenness in their own life. Um, I just really want my book to be a resource to people that I can share for free and just have it be a part of, you know, my own So, yeah. And I'm just trying to stay out of the seat. Can you tell us more about your dream of a Series B corporation oh, for the fitness philanthropy? Sure. Yeah, so, so I'm a triathlete and <laughs> well, we'll talk. I don't know if I had thought about that. So you know the phrase, pay it forward. Um, so sort of the, the concept behind this for me was sweat it forward. And uh, as you all know, I, you know, I care deeply about exercise. I grew up on swim team, playing basketball, playing soccer. Um, I've competed in half Ironmans, and I've done um, several triathlons. And you know, I think we live in a nation of privilege, and, um, you know, I think my generation thinks that we're all entitled to fancy workouts all the time, and if you span time and generations, um, the concept of coordinated boutique exercise was never really a thing, um, and I just feel very strongly that my generation um, spends way too much time um, on ourselves and that we don't actually uh, look to, to weave philanthropy into our daily life. And so my thought is what if we had a sports fitness philanthropy you know, effort where your workouts are sweating it forward, where your workouts, you're on a bike ride and you are um, essentially contributing towards um, 
a child in Africa getting a bite, or you're at yoga and your um, class cost of you know, 5% goes to, to people who struggle with mental health, right? There's all these ways that we move through our life every day. And I often wonder how, what would it look like for my generation to, to be more selfless in our, um, in our daily workouts. So I'm working with some people to figure out what the, uh, the actual business plan would be. Um, but yeah, that's kind of What kind of contribution do we need to leave for your book today if we pick up oh, a book? Sure. So, um, okay, so it's $20 for a signed copy, and I will sign them in the back if you'd like to buy one. And um, actually, I wanted to tell you, every time a book is sold, a tree is planted. And so um, this is my effort to be more sustainable. And our publisher, Ben, um, his whole business publishing um, group, they plant trees for every book that is sold. So it's $20, and you can do cash. You can do PayPal, uh, Venmo. Um, I can take a check. If you don't have money today, we can just write your name down, and we'll figure it out. Um, so that's, yeah. That's fine. Did you all know, did you know that if we each planted five trees, it would have a great impact on global warming. So you're really doing the right thing. Thank you. Oh, well. That's <laughs> <laughs> Emily, could you just share with us uh, a little bit about how your experience in Kenya changed your life? Grandmother, and I'll probably tear up because oh, I've been thinking about her a lot. Um, my grandmother gave me a check uh, for several thousand dollars when I, um, you know, finished college, and I said to my grandmother, "I'd like to move to Kenya." And I think my parents had a heart attack. And I was 24, and um, I said to her, "You know, Grandma, I." I don't want to just sit around Gaithersburg, Maryland the rest of my life. Um, I lived in a small, small town in Maryland, and I just said, I really want to change the world. Of course, this is a very, like, Western thinking mindset. Um, I'm going to go, you know, be noble and change the world. Well, of course, Kenya changed me. And my mom had spent some of her childhood in Lagos, Nigeria, when my grandfather was there to help established the banking industry. So I've always felt this pull towards, towards Africa. And um, I packed my bags and I went and served at the largest international boarding school in East Africa that has the Teddy Roosevelt um, monument at the school because he helped establish it in 1908. Back in the time that Roosevelt was going to East Africa for his hunting trip. So it, it had a lot of you know Americana feel to it, but there was, you know, 200, 300 students there, all K through 12, and I became the ninth grade girls dorm mom. So I was an RA to 17 ninth grade girls at 24, and I remember calling my grandmother and saying, what have I gotten myself into? Uh, certainly came home with some more gray hair, because ninth grade girls are just not nice. Um, so... <laughs> So I was their mother. I was their surrogate mother for a year. I lived in the, you know, I had my apartment. It was connected to the dorm. And I got to work um, work with the local community and help them establish sewing 
partnership projects with local female entrepreneurs. And um, the biggest takeaway that I learned in that year was time time is relationship. Time is not money. And our society today is so driven by money that I wonder at times if we've forgotten to just leave margin in our lives for true deep relationships. Um, and I remember coming home, you know, and instead of putting 20 things on my to-do list, you would put one thing on your to-do list because you might have a cop tire on a backcountry road in Africa. You might get stopped at the security checkpoint. It could be sitting in traffic because there's a massive herd of cattle that are sitting in the middle of the road. Right, and it, so it was like everything was slowed down in Africa, and it really taught me the value of slowing down. And that's not what my generation does. We move forward quickly, and so I just came home with this this tremendous sense of my life is meant to be in service of others, and it's good to slow down, and uh, time is not all about. And local mission is just as important as global mission. And this is something that I hard for me to grasp because my church grew up with these massive mission trips to Mexico, to orphanages, places around the world. And um, and I think now that I'm living in Austin and I see how much um, displacement, it just reminds me that my mission is global mission. It's right here. I don't have to go to Kenya to make an impact. So that's something I just think is really helpful to, to go live overseas when you're, you know, when you're told your whole life, oh, you can be, be anything you want to be and go change the world. Well, maybe that's true, but I also think we need to let other people. Emily, thank you very much, and, and Gail, thank you for having uh, an open heart in finding Emily and bringing her to Swiftcast. So, um, Kay, I'll have you stand and lead us in our song. <laughs> 